You already know that subscriptions can add predictable recurring revenue to your store. But did you know that Bold Subscriptions has added a ton of new features to make it even more profitable? Their convertible subscription feature first lets customers subscribe to one product and then automatically switch it to a different one the second month. Why? This way you can set up trial sizes, free samples, like uh, all those shaving websites. They've also added a cancellation flow to keep people on the subscription that I think is really cool. It's like abandoned cart recovery, but for subscriptions. So if you've ever tried to cancel your Audible account or anything like it, you'll see what I mean. If you say you don't like it, the books, they'll offer you one for free. If you say it's too expensive, they'll try to give you a deal on the next month. Basically, Bold built this into the subscriptions app, and it stops up to 30% of customers from canceling their subscriptions. And their most recent feature is the subscription buy button that lets you sell your subscriptions directly with a link that's perfect for email, blog posts, Facebook, whatever. Now, one of the things I personally love about it is that customers can manage everything about their subscriptions by themselves. They can log in, pause, skip, edit, update, payment info, their address, swap products, add products, whatever. They can just manage everything themselves. That's a huge time savings for merchants because it means fewer customer support requests. Now, if you want to add predictable recurring revenue to your business, Bold's offering their subscription app to listeners of the unofficial Shopify podcast free for 60 days. Go to kurtelster.com slash bold to install it. That's kurtelster.com slash bold. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You already know the benefits of SEO. The higher you rank in search, the more visitors you get, and more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do it? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines more easily and it's trusted by thousands of store owners. No surprise there, it's equal parts power, innovation, and ease of use. Think of SEO Manager as your optimization toolbox. Here's some examples. It can scan your site for issues, offer keyword suggestions, add structured data support, analyze missing pages and redirects, and even integrate with Kit, plus a ton more tools to help you be easily found in Google searches. Best of all, it's easy to get started. You can get started in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Seriously, I have met them. They are the best. And as a special offer to you, you can get 10% off SEO Manager forever when you sign up at seomanager.com unofficial. That's seomanager.com unofficial. Today on the unofficial Shopify podcast, I am talking to a research scientist. Wait, no, I'm talking to a former research scientist turned CrossFitter. Well, hold on. He's a CrossFitter and a Shopify Plus merchant. As my guest today is Stefan Gehrig from King Kong Apparel, which makes some of the coolest gym bags, gym apparel that you could come up with. And they've got really tremendous branding. The whole thing, they have a gorilla mascot. I thought this was really cool, and I want to find out about it. So he reached out to me. I checked out his site. I got through the homepage, and I said, I'm not going to look at it anymore. I want to hear about this direct from the man with you guys. So we're going to learn about this together. Stefan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Kurt. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. And where are you located? Though I'm sure we could guess from the accent. You're in New Jersey, right? 
<laughs> uh, close. Uh, Melbourne, Australia um, uh, is the headquarters at the moment. Um, we are an American company and I started the brand when I was uh, living in San Francisco about eight years ago now, um, but I'm back home uh, in Melbourne and, and facing some of the time zone tribulations uh, to run a, a commerce e-commerce brand in America from Australia. You know, I, I've always wondered about that, <laughs> trying to, to run things with that big time zone difference and, and how much um, trouble that creates. But okay, let's, let's go back. What were you doing in the U.S.? Uh, I was actually over there for a conference, a muscle disease conference uh, in uh, in New Orleans, uh, and then I stayed around for another three months after that. There was the CrossFit Games on, which I was competing in at the time. This was um, 2011, uh, so I lived in San Francisco. I was training at a CrossFit gym overlooking the uh, San Francisco Bridge in a parking lot, um, and uh, and that's sort of what I was doing in America and decided that we CrossFitters didn't have any bags that were specific to our needs. Um, and I thought, you know, I just finished my PhD and I thought uh, I need another project. So I'll, I'll make some bags and, and see what happens. So I'm not a CrossFitter and I don't particularly go to the gym. But what is it about CrossFit that you would need a specific gym bag? Like if I were to go to the gym right now with some stuff, I'd grab my trusty duffel bag. Which is in yep. no way special. It's just a duffel bag. Yeah, sure. I mean, the the duffel bag will do the job, um, but it doesn't have uh, some of the more specific things. I guess I guess a few of the things are multiple shoes. You're always bringing weightlifting shoes, cross trainers. You've got maybe knee sleeves or knee pads. Oh, sorry, uh, shin pads or shin sleeves for rope climbs, lifting straps. You've got all sorts of gear, um, and if you throw it all in one bag, you're never going to find it. It's it's not really particularly useful. Um, and the CrossFit gym is quite a, a tough sort of environment with concrete floors a lot of the time, so you're throwing a regular, you know, Under Armour or uh, otherwise gym bag around is going to get it torn up very quickly. So in terms of toughness and, and compartments and functionality, that was sort of what I found was missing um, and what I thought would be nice to have. This is This is crazy. Every single time... On the show, when I interview someone who has invented a product or um, made something new and brought it to market, we're three minutes in, and already it's, hey, I had a painter problem in my, my life. There was no existing solution I liked, and so I said, why not me? Why can't I solve it myself? Every time. That's great. It's a, it's a it's a similar story for yeah. I mean, I've I've listened to your podcast for a while. I've listened to um a few other uh, how I built this, and it's it's very similar stories all around. Absolutely. Hmm. So all right. So you you were a CrossFitter. This is back in 2011, and yep. CrossFit requires specific gym equipment to get the job done, and you so you, you want a specialized bag for that. And it's got to be tough, too, because it's not going into a locker. It's getting thrown onto a concrete floor, and it's going to get beat up as it gets moved around. Did you look at other, other bags, other solutions, and go, man, there's, like, I'm on my 10th bag here. My bag budget's out of control. Uh, I, did, I did have a few other uh, bags, your standard, uh, you know, thin polyester duffel. Um, and I think that that was fine. It sort of I could fit my things in, but it, it just uh, it just yeah it didn't work as well as I would have liked. The other thing I think about CrossFit, especially back in the early days, um, 
back then was it's it's quite a counterculture. It's like going for, it's for people who don't want to go to a regular gym to a globo gym to your snap fitness or or jets. Uh, and so that counterculture sort of ran into the brands that people were using as well. They were very supportive of brands within that CrossFit space, which were very small brands generally. Um, so it was, that was part of it as well, I guess, um, made it made it easier to start initially because of that supportive atmosphere. Oh, okay. So there's definitely a, a community aspect to it. Um, and interesting, when you're starting this, this is when Shopify, this is very early for Shopify as well. They've not been around that long either. In what point in your journey did you spin up the online store? Uh, pretty much straight away. So uh, the way it sort of came about was uh, I had these ideas. Actually, someone uh, from my gym suggested I read the Four Hour Work Week, uh, the book oh, by Tim, Tim Ferriss. Which is classic. I'll put that yeah, in the show exactly. notes for people for like the two people who've not heard of it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think everyone's read it by now. But um, that was that was great because it was it was really tangible advice on how to bring a product to market, not sort of mumbo jumbo that you hear from some other books. It was you know go to Alibaba, find some factories or manufacturers that can do what you want, um, send some designs, get a few samples, um, iterate from there and maybe um, produce. And that's basically the the, uh, the template I used. I had a, a close friend of mine who was pretty good at WooCommerce, uh, at WordPress and we um, he built a one-page website once we had the product, uh, took some photos, put up a PayPal buy now button, um, tried to run a few Facebook ads and, and people started buying. So um, wow. it was it was fairly quick i mean it was several months obviously but it was fairly quick to get people to start buying which was cool so at that time certainly it was easier to market to a small niche community which crossfit was and facebook ads were like much easier you, know, you could just go to the traffic store and buy some traffic for your website <laughs> right yeah and yep. uh but there was also a kickstarter is it uh, was around then did you think about or consider crowdfunding um, I didn't at the time. I didn't know about Kickstarter back then. We did try a Kickstarter campaign sort of two or three years in for a new range of bags, um, which was unsuccessful, unfortunately. Uh, we asked for 30000 and we got to about 26000 uh, So Oh, that hurts when it's close. Didn't, didn't quite get there. We probably could have pushed it over um, with some friends and family, but it, it, it didn't make sense in terms of all of the uh, – the, the outgoings or the costs it needed to be sort of 30,000. Um, but we didn't try Kickstarter. We basically, well, we, I say we, it was me at that stage and, and poured some savings into a, an order from um, from a Chinese factory um, and just sort of dove headfirst in, I guess, uh, rather than getting pre-orders, testing it a little bit more than we maybe should, or like we probably should have, um, and then and then launching. So, yeah, we, we dove in. You know, sometimes not knowing what you don't know is an asset. When things work out in your favor, I mean, it's, it's easy to have survivorship bias, look back on it and go, whoo, I'm glad that worked out. Uh, <laughs> and the same is true for me in starting my business. I mean, if I knew what I knew now, I probably would not have started because it would have been, I would have known too much. It would have been too scary. So in this case, no like everything worked out for you, but you've got, you had that, I still want to go back a little bit. Sure. And I want to remind people, all right, this is 2011, so some things are easier, some things are harder. You had the idea for the bag. Do you have any background in, in product development? Like, how do you go from I, an idea is one thing, sketching it on a piece of paper is one thing, but then actually prototyping it and getting it manufactured, that's extremely difficult. That's what stops a lot of people. Walk me through that. 
Um, yeah, I had no no background in product design or business in general. I've done science all my life, mainly biology. Um, and so I guess part of the fun was learning some of the new new stuff. In terms of the product design, it was um, put this style of pocket onto this style of duffel, put two shoe pockets in. Like it was it was sort of it wasn't sketched even. It was it was drawn up in for uh, in PowerPoint. Um, and sent across to China, and not surprisingly, the first bags were weren't aesthetically pleasing or um, particularly hard wearing, like the ones that like they are now. It was this cotton canvas that we weren't particularly happy with, um, and so I think, like you say, without what? knowing what so we didn't know. So you gave them basically a rough idea to a factory and said, "Send me a sample." Yeah, yeah, pretty much. They had a few bags that they designed, and I said, "Yeah, that's that's good. Make these changes to that um, bag, uh, and we'll see where we go." And then, so we got a sample back a month later or so. I took some photos, said, "Make this pocket bigger. Um, put our logo here and here," and got another sample. And so it was about three iterations before we were happy enough to to bring it to market. Um, and looking back at that product now, I can't even look at it. It's it's so hideous. <laughs> um, and the quality is not not particularly good. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy we've moved on from there, that's for sure. Well, you know what? At the same time, you should be able to look back on things you did a while ago and be embarrassed by them. Like I recently, uh, someone put together like a list of the best e-commerce podcasts, and they had our very first episode in it. We're on episode okay. 200, closing in on 300 episodes here. It's a... When I went back and listened to that first episode, within 60 seconds, I was like, I can't listen to this anymore. It's awful, cringy, <laughs> embarrassing, hideous. That's how it should be. If I had made 300 episodes or you'd been in business for 10 years and your current product is the just as good as but no better than what you started with, all right, that's not a good sign. That's a red flag. So that's a badge of honor. That means you have improved dramatically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we've, we've gone through, um, uh, yeah, I wouldn't ha have any idea how many iterations of different bags, 50, 80, 100 maybe, and maybe six or seven websites. It seems like every year and a half, two years, it's sort of redesigned and and, um, and relaunched. So, yeah, it's, we've come a long way, which is great. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. If, if we're where we were back then, um, well, we wouldn't have a business. So You came up with the – you've got the first iteration of the bag. You put that up on a, a website. You're able to drive traffic to it with Facebook and start selling it. But mm -hmm. that's, that's 10 years ago. Now you've got these really incredible bags. That was, I assume, a process of learning and revision and iteration where they get progressively better over time. And you've got this really tremendous branding, and it's called King Kong Apparel. So I love this branding. And you've, even, you've got a, a gorilla mascot. Tell me about this. How did this come together? Yeah, so... Uh when we started, which was eight years ago, um, CrossFit was in the early days, and one of, and the toughest workout in CrossFit, or one of the very toughest, was called King Kong. Uh, it was super heavy weights. It was quite technical Olympic weightlifting, um, and only the the toughest and the and the best athletes could complete it. So that was it was re we were really talking to our demographic there about um, this aspirational bag or this aspirational workout, um, and then obviously King Kong has its connotations of strength and toughness. Um, it's one of those things where your audience would recognize that immediately. Like that's a subtle sign that indicates to them like, okay, these guys are legit and they get our space. They understand who we are. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was one of the main things that we did early on was use the, the CrossFit vernacular. Um, 
about uh, I don't know exactly. I can't remember exactly, but it was uh, the, the bag for elite fitness, I think, which was one of the, the the catchphrases that they were using. Being ready for anything with your bag, um, because the idea was to go in and you didn't know what workout you were going to do. You'd be ready for anything, and that's why you'd have a bag with all your gear because who knows what's going to get thrown at you. Um, so we were really, I think, able to speak to that demographic with with our branding on the website and with some of the Facebook ads that we ran initially and that sort of thing. Well, now you've got. A guy in a gorilla suit, and it actually looks really good. Talk to me about this guy. Yeah, so last that was that's quite recent. That was actually last year. We we um, engaged a friend of mine to do a branding piece. So we were we were pretty happy with the products, um, but we really wanted to knuckle down on the branding and come up with um, sort of a brand ambassador that stood for what we uh, wanted to stand for as a brand, and that is that the, that our bags are a kind of an extension of. Um, of a coach so the the bags ready for you when you need them the coach is ready for you when you when you need them um, and this idea of this old school sort of take no prisoners coach who's really tough but is on your side sort of mirroring the bags um, and that uh ray which is the the monkey uh in the gorilla suit um was sort of the personification uh of that brand identity um and that's where we made the videos where he's this this tough old school coach with a, a stopwatch and a whistle and um and i think that sort of speaks the personality of the brand quite well the gorilla costume is so good where did you get this thing i wouldn't even know yeah. where to go buy a gorilla costume of this caliber like yeah to give an idea of how good this thing is it i had to stare at it and i'm like am i looking at a render or is this real life it's 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 real life. It's um it's an animatronic suit. Actually, that was done in the UK. That this is the beauty of a of a global business. We can go on Upwork or any of these, um, and have some of the best people in the world do things where we're not even sort of at the gym. I wasn't there for that shoot or anything. That was done in a gym in the UK, um, using using yeah an animatronic monkey head that was used for one of the Planet of the Apes movies. So it's no it's, way. Um, yeah, it's a really really good quality head, and the the reason. We could do it on a smaller budget. Um, was we had a relationship with with the um, the filming studio who did it. Uh, we we knew the gym where they filmed it, and we only needed the head. We didn't need the whole body. We had the hands and the head, which made things much easier. And then you see that red tracksuit that he's yeah. wearing. Um, and yeah, my understanding with that uh, head, the the gorilla head, is that it attaches somehow to your facial muscles. It actually only fits one guy. Just made, perf- made specifically for him, um, and then his facial expressions get transferred into the gorilla using you know small motors or however it works in there. But it's um, holy crap! It's, it's a pre- it's a pretty serious piece of equipment. There's no way we could buy it. We had to hire it for for half a day for the shoot. What? <laughs> All right. So unofficial Shopify podcast first. You got animatronics number one, and <laughs> like full on Hollywood big budget blockbuster movie props for what. You know what? Honest to God, where that image ended up in your pop-up, you used like the same props that I don't know who directed those Planet of the Apes movies, but like Hollywood <laughs> level uh, Andy Circus costume stuff in a damn newsletter pop-up. <laughs> yeah, we did use it in other videos as well, but that's sort of where it's ended up, as well, I guess. Yeah, you, you could say you could say that. I don't I don't like to think about it that way, but um. Right, yeah, that's funny. that's where it's yeah, ended. <laughs> no, I, I saw it on Instagram. I saw it throughout your social media. Um, but yeah, I was, I was, I was drawn to it. I was like, okay, this thing is cool. You've been doing this 
since 2011. How yeah. has running an e-commerce business changed, do you think, in that time? Uh, I mean, we could probably talk a couple of hours about that. Um, initially, we ran only a few Facebook ads and, you know, our cost, as you know, our cost per cost per conversion, I think at the time was something like, I don't know, $8 or something. It was ridiculously low. That's That's gone up fivefold. Um, it's really a really noisy space on, on Facebook and on Instagram. Um, so I think I think it's changed heavily. If I can sort of summarize it, I think for e-commerce, it's gone from trying to jump on these social media platforms to all the way back around to build your email list, um, use automation flows, build your brand through that and, and, and have a, a channel that you own, as you've said in, in many podcasts, uh, many episodes in the past. That's kind of what we're really working hard at doing this year. Um, and I mean... Yeah, I think it's just blown up in terms of how much noise there is on social. So it's really quite hard to build a brand purely through that through those channels. So let, let's say you were to start over today. You know, suddenly I don't know what happens, but you have to rebuild a similar business just right, you know, this year. How do you do it? What how and how would that be different from uh 10 years ago? Well, you put me on the spot. How would I do that? Uh well, I would be able to make a much better product from, from the beginning. So I'd have less uh, time spent iterating the product. I'd know exactly where to go, how to get the right people on board to to design a bag in this case again. If I had to build the community again, I, I probably would try Kickstarter. I think that's a, a worthwhile initial step. I, don't, I think if you fail on Kickstarter, that doesn't necessarily mean that the product or the brand can't work, but it's it's a nice way to potentially jumpstart a year or two um and depending on the success there i, I would i would um i would build a, a very simple website i think i would have the classic tim ferris buy now button and then it takes you to a page saying drop your email to see if, uh, to to buy when this is available so you can really see how many people would have purchased you can do a bit of a market test um, you can drive a little bit of traffic there. I know, I know social media is expensive, but you still need to drive a little bit of traffic. Um, and, and I guess push your friends and family to share as much as possible um, and try to carve out a little tiny niche as tight as possible uh, and grow, grow outwards from there. I like that. I forgot that that was what Tim Ferriss recommended. Maybe I need to go back and reread the 4-Hour Work Week. <laughs> One of the thing, the key words I heard there was build a community. Have you built a community around this brand? I mean, CrossFit is very much a community. Yeah, yeah, I, th I think we have. Um, one of the, I, I don't want to um, blow your horn too much, but one of the things that we heard about during one of your chats with, I think Tyler, is it Tyler from Bomb Tech Golf? Yes, uh, uh, Tyler, Sully Sullivan. He goes by Sully. Sully, yeah, yeah Sully. Um, is, uh, that was the, this, um, this idea of this owners group on Facebook, and that's what we've done in the past few months. Um, so there's a really strong community of bag owners there, um, which we drive from a thank you page pop-up uh, and a post-purchase emails. They, they get invites to the group, um, and then we can talk about designs, new bags, what they'd like to see, new products, um, uh, things like that. And that's probably our tightest community, I guess, if you sort of think about that as our inner circle. And then we've got an email list um, of of uh, of thirty thousand people. Um, I don't know how many numbers you want here, but I'll, I'll give as many people, as possible. People, I well, I encourage people to not 
you know, compare themselves and get obsessed with the numbers. It's still really cool when people share the numbers because I think it's easy to look at a brand from the outside and you have no idea. Is it a thousand subscribers, a hundred thousand subscribers? Who knows? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love to hear the numbers myself so I can sort of see what to aspire to or, or where we sort of sit and how we can, how we can, um, you know what's possible, um, and I guess that. So that email list there is a is a second circle of of people who are who are very engaged. We have sequences that get rid of people if they're not interested, um, and so I think we've built a really tight community around the brand. Not necessarily CrossFit anymore. We've worked pretty hard to move into some of the other niche functional fitness uh, sports like powerlifting, strongman. Um, a little bit of into MMA, which is which is a real big focus for us over the next. 12 months to really push into that into that space as well um and yeah like you said it's all about the brand i think that's one of the most important things that we've tried to do every couple of years i've got i've gone to this um fair it's called canton fair in guangzhou you may have heard of it it's one of the biggest fairs in the world um i'm I'm not because there's no way i can remember the phrase you just said (laughs) <laughs> um, it's in it's in Guangzhou and, and all the manufacturers from China and around Asia go there. And if you walk along, it's football field after football field of bag manufacturers and, and obviously everything else as well. Um, and it's all about the brand. Um, the only way to distinguish yourself is to, to, to build a strong brand um, and, and be able to and build a community around that. And I think you know, that's what we're trying to do. I think we've we've come a long way in the last few years of doing that. But you know, we've got a long way to go on that as well. So we're working pretty hard there. And it's a, so far, I love everything you're saying. <laughs> this is turning into an excellent episode. I'm very pleased with this. <laughs> um, and I, I love that you've been doing it for so long and you came to it as an outsider. Like I went to school for business. So even when starting my business, I still had some background. I had some pre-existing expectations. What do you think... You know, coming at it with someone who didn't have like a business or marketing background, what was the thing you struggled with? What, what's the, what were like some of the skills that you have now that you wish you could have had then? I think uh, a lot of it is the marketing aspects for me. Um, I think knowing the, the suite of tools that you have uh, to market to people and to reach people um, you know all the different social channels, which there are. You know, there's TikTok now, which is great for younger people. Obviously, Instagram, Facebook, all of those. Email. Um, we did a lot of supporting of competitions early days with with prizes and things like that. I think. Um, so, like uh, the, event sponsorship. Event sponsorship. Okay. Yeah, I think I think one of the things I didn't realize was. I mean, you can market it's only limited by your imagination and what channels you can reach people with um and that's something i think I, I was quite limited in that thinking where it was like you need a big budget you need to be able to go on radio or television um and that was sort of the only way to, to reach people you can reach niches of, of 10 people potentially or 100 people um through all sorts of different ways and that's that's something i, I probably would like to have the opportunity of, of doing again i think one of the well a couple of things that have stood out to me uh, in this discussion is you know, that that prototypical entrepreneurial story, of course, where you built the thing for yourself because you saw that need and you came at it from an outsider as an outsider. And then you used it to an existing community to leverage and then to build something for them as a member of the community and then build your own community, sub community within that. Can I say community a few more times? I, I, 
I love that about this story. And I think that's that's one of those things where like no matter how bad times get, how uh, if you have like dark days in a business and it happens to everybody, being able to lean back on that community is great. Like for me with our our Facebook group, being able to post in that group and then get immediate you know, feedback and comments um, and reactions to stuff is always really cool. Like sometimes when I put together a really great post, it's because I'm having a really bad day. And it's like, I know, all right, if I just go help some people, that'll turn that mood around. And that was quite the tangent I went on, sorry. Hold up. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the growth marketing platform most recommended by myself and other business leaders. In uncertain times, supporting your community and growing relationships with your customers is a strategy that will be appreciated, remembered, and shared. In good times and bad, open and empathetic communication with your customers is critical. Email is and always will be one of the best channels for delivering those communications. Email marketing is one of Klaviyo's core offerings. When you leverage personalization driven by a 360-degree view of the customer, those emails will feel even more relevant, fostering stronger relationships than ever before. Klaviyo knows how challenging it is for each and every entrepreneur to get their business off the ground, let alone navigate such trying times. So if you're feeling overwhelmed with growing your business, especially in this climate, I promise you are not alone. Klaviyo is here to help brands build relationships across any distance, creating meaningful, memorable email marketing moments that last a lifetime. Visit klaviyo.com to start a free trial. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com. Talk to him. So speaking of dark days, you've been doing this a long time. I hate to even ask this question, but small businesses fail. Have you ever come close to going under in the last decade? We haven't been incredibly close. We've had a couple of interesting sort of run-ins. Um, I think for me, one of the one of the things, I know a lot of people say, you know, burn the ships, jump right in. I think for me, one of the things that worked really well was the fact that for the first few years, it was a, it was a side hustle. Um, my primary income was uh, research, so there's no pressure to take a salary. It could grow slowly and organically. Um, I guess the, the closest we've come uh, to going or to having big problems and going under was uh, during one shipment of, of bags that we shipped from from our, our factory in southern China through LA LAX port, um, and and somehow I'm not even sure how uh, there was a miscommunication and the factory didn't put these country of origin labels on, oh, no. um, and so customs was quite upset. There was there was a full container load of of bags sitting in customs for several weeks trying to communicate. Um, at one stage, I was scheduled to fly over and manually stitch in these labels of about 500 or, or, or 800 bags. So the um, issue was you had, you went to your manufacturer, they made you your standard load of bags, put it on a, a shipping container or pallet, whatever it is, and it shows up and the port authority, whoever goes to, customs goes to inspect it, and it doesn't have, it doesn't say made in China on the bags. That's the issue? That's correct. Oh, yeah, okay. which is which doesn't sound massive, but it's actually a really big deal. Um, and you don't want to stuff around with the customs people either. They're they're pretty serious about their job, and, and so they should be. Um, so th- yeah, they were they were quite upset. And and the other problem was because we're building up slowly. There's we've got two hundred or two hundred and fifty pre-ordered bags that customers have paid for because we need sort of cash flow to tie us over. So at one side, these customers are saying, you know, where are my bags? It's been promised for weeks, um, and I'm 
obviously not able to provide those at that stage. Um, luckily, in the end, we, we managed to put some stickers on the bags as a, as a stopgap, um, sent the bags out uh, and, and got a black mark next to our name. So now we get customs uh, intensive exams every time. But I think oh, that was probably geez. the closest. <laughs> yeah, which, which adds another couple of weeks to transit. But um, that, was, that was probably the closest we've gone to, to really being, being in strife over the years. Oh, <laughs> I, that's a, a fascinating story. But it is one of those things you you worked through it and you survived it. I mean, if you just panicked and gave up, that's how you fail. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And and like you said before, uh, if I'd known of all these hurdles, maybe it wouldn't have started initially. But um, you just got to have your head down and and keep keep jumping each one um, as they come. And it just and all of a sudden you're in you're eight years down the track and things are starting to to go a bit better. Yeah, I've learned with with age and wisdom and trials and tribulation that one of the the key skills is to be able to think long term. So things seem like a god awful nightmare, everything's bad, my life's falling apart. But you always have to remind yourself like that's just right now, this moment. A year from now, a month from now, even a week from now, maybe even after a good night's sleep, things will not seem so terrible. And maybe things will be entirely fixed. We can always hope. Um, you had mentioned, you said, well, you know, early on what helped was it was a side hustle. And how did you know when to make the switch? I get that question a lot. People want to know, they're like, I've got a side hustle. When do I know when to dive head first? When do I quit my full-time job? How'd you know? Yeah, for me, it was probably a bit, I probably waited a bit longer than I should have looking back. I would have, I would have dived in knowing what I know now, obviously, which is the benefit of hindsight. Um, for me, I had like I, I'd, I'd finished my studies. Um, I, I maybe it was two years of still working or three years of still working as a research scientist while King Kong was sort of starting up. Um, and I'd was supposed I was scheduled to go and work in Boston at a at a university there uh, or a college there. Um, and it, so it was it was sort of coming down crunch time. It was either go down this career path and work as a scientist or you know, maybe um, maybe there's something you can do with King Kong or with business uh, in general. And I was kind of forced into that decision at that time. Um, and like I said, I probably should have made it two years earlier, um, but that was probably 2014 or so, 2015, um, where I was able to make that decision. I'd had, I had enough income. I was still living at home at that stage. Um, so that was obviously helpful as well. Uh, and I, I jumped into it and, and decided to give science away entirely. Hmm. And I, I think we could guess as to the result, but what was the immediate result? Were you, were you terrified? Were you elated by the opportunity? How did it feel? What happened? Uh, I guess a little bit of both. I, I guess part of it was I studied for 12 years in one thing and I was like, well, is this, is this um, a bit of a waste? And I think, I think all those skills have translated really well into business as well. Um, the scientific method of, uh, of coming up with an idea or a hypothesis, figuring out how to execute it, checking the results, making conclusions based on that. I mean, that's exactly what you do for any sort of marketing as well. So a lot of that thinking is very similar. Um, and so it was less of a waste. Um, and I was, I was ecstatic. I was super happy to be able to spend all my time, literally seven days a week, um, on, on my business, on, on, on my baby that I sort of built up and, and wanted to, and I think thought had opportunity to really to get bigger, and, and I still think that's the case. So I'm, I'm very happy with, this, with the decision. 
Oh, certainly it sounds that way. Yeah, I'm glad you <laughs> you addressed that. Because um, if it, I did, it was in the back of my mind. I didn't want to ask, it's like, well, you spent all this time being a research scientist. How do you feel about that? But it's good. <laughs> it sounds like that has, um, you're right, those skills, that mindset, that scientific thinking, oftentimes things you didn't realize would be beneficial become beneficial. Like, I once in my 20s spent a summer assisting in a uh, music studio. I had no idea that that would become incredibly helpful now when I'm recording a podcast with a million downloads, right? But who knew? You never know. Um, Not that I'm comparing a summer as an assistant in a studio to 12 years of academia and research. I'm not at all transferable skills. I I completely agree. Yeah, you don't know how useful it is until down the track and you need it. So one of the things I noticed on your website that I like and I've been thinking a lot about lately is quizzes on your mm-hmm. side it goes it's like traditional it's very clean very nice and branded it's traditional header navigation a single hero image congrats that's just a great <laughs> image um and it does a really you've, you've done some cool photoshoppery in that uh, hero image and then right after that discover which bag is right for you take the quiz you've got a quiz up here and i'm going to mm-hmm. click the quiz i want to see what this thing does Oh, I've never seen sure. anything like this. Okay, tell me about this quiz. How does it work? Is this an app, a service? What do you think about this thing? Yeah, it's. I was looking for a way to, to get customers or to, to sort of almost like a guided shopping experience for the customer. Um, and so this is an app called PickZen. Uh, okay. I heard of so that I've one. Added this. We can... Sorry. Yep. Continue. Uh, I think I'll, I think I'll put it. I think I'll put it on one of the uh, questions on the unofficial Facebook page at one stage. Um, and it's really good. It's it's not the cheapest app, so we'll see how it goes over a couple of months. But it's it's worth a try. Um, and so uh, that's yeah, hosted elsewhere. And so customers can then go through uh, a tree, sort of like a choose your own adventure, um, and it selects the best backpack or or the best bag for them based on the answers to questions. So for example, which style do you prefer? Initially it's backpack, duffel or tote. And then, and so you just go further and further down into the product line and we make a recommendation. Um, we also provide a mystery discount. So depending on the, the actual selected product, you put your email address in, it's linked to Clavio um, and it sends the customer a discount uh, depending on what product they select. So hopefully we can build our mailing list through that as well. That's sort of the thinking there. Hmm. And, what has been customer response to this thing? We've got actually a really a good amount of information on the breakdown of types of bags uh, that people want and some of these other questions that we've asked. So we get some really good customer insights there. Um, the response is has been good. Uh, that that automation flow makes has a really good um, conversion rate. Uh, but obviously we'd prefer more people to go uh, and put their email addresses in so we can we can explain about King Kong. Uh, but the response has been really positive. It, it's allowed people to, to sort of understand our product line better based on, based on what they want. I love this thing. So you've got several products, but they're all very similar in that they, they fill the same need. Like I've got, you've got a tote bag, a backpack, a duffel bag, and then variations on those things. So it could be overwhelming where you don't want to make the wrong choice. I mean, it's not, it's not a cheap bag. It's not uh, inexpensive, so you don't want to be like, yeah, just buy three, donate the two I don't like. So the way this (laughs) thing, it opens, and it's really very clever. It's a pop-up, and it says, what do you prefer? And it asks you to pick your style. So I like duffel bags. I'm going to choose duffel. If you haven't tried a duffel bag, they're great. 
And then ask my purpose. Well, my per this is smart. Meal prep, gym, or lifestyle. All right, lifestyle. And how long are you packing for? Oh, oh, a day or a, a weekend or longer. See, now this is tough because I don't know what the right answer is. So maybe I should have the option to select multiple things. I don't know how this app works. I'm just walking through this out loud. But I'm going to go, I think bigger is better. I like big bags. So I'm going to go with a weekend or longer. And boom, this thing immediately popped up with, based on your choices, you want the giant Kong bag. And sure enough, look at that bag. That seems like a bag I would want. Like I could put my race suit in there. I bet this thing will fit the helmet. I could put all my, my track gear in there. That's cool. Um, and then it could take me straight to the product and even ask me, drop your email below for a mystery discount. All right, so you said <laughs> you wished more people would sign up for the discount. I think one of two things is I would experiment with, instead of saying a mystery discount, tell them what the discount is. And it's also the smallest thing in this pop-up. <laughs> so it's really yeah, hard, hard hidden. <laughs> You're right. You're, yeah. Um, it is designed for mobile. 80% of our traffic is mobile. I'm not sure if you're on uh, the desktop. Yeah, I say I'm desktop right now. Um, but I, I agree. I, I don't think it's that much better on mobile. Um, we have some limitations around the design because it's in a, in a builder uh, in Pixen. Um, but I, I, I think you're right. We need to um, make that bigger so that people – it really stands out because the percentage of people who – Add their email after going through the quiz is is quite low, like less than ten percent. Your product pages, though, are also awesome. It does a really so. Like, I would be impressed if it was just the usual stuff of, "Hey, you've got really great photos, and it's a clean page, and I got color swatches and sizzle and my key features." Or Afterpay, sorry. You've taken that this whole thing a step further. There's an animated stop motion GIF of the bag being loaded. Anyone could build that. It's very time-consuming, but that doesn't actually take special equipment. You could, you could do – anyone could put that together. And then it's got um, a really nice Photoshop graphic where it calls out the features of the thing, of the bag, and then FAQs, and then reviews. Whoa, there is nothing else I would do to improve this thing. There's even video in here. Tell me, is there anything you don't like about this product page? It's your product page. What don't you like about it? I wanted the video as the first thing you see, but it seemed that people, it wasn't loading for a lot of, based on the, the theme or whatever, it wasn't loading for people who were off Wi-Fi, I think, that if they were on mobile data. So I would like the video to be front and center a little bit more rather than scrolling. Um, I, I, really like the pro, I really like the product page. We built it quite recently. I think this is only a couple, I can't remember exactly when we launched, but this is a couple of months old, this product page. So it does have everything that we want. We did have a packing video, a full packing video above the FAQs um, with a link, which I removed today because the link to the YouTube uh, URL was broken or something. Oop. I think <laughs> I think um, we could add a bit more of a description. Um, because it's a higher value item, we just want to tell people everything we possibly can about it. Makes um, sense. So p potentially a longer description, um, but I think it's got I think it's got most of the information that people want there. We can expand out on these FAQs based on customer queries, which is the plan. We haven't got round to that as yet, but um, just keep adding FAQs based on, on what people are asking. Um, but so I, but you, yeah, yeah. Look at this video is really cool. Um, you're right; it's the second thing. I could see where you would definitely want that as the first image if you could. What you could do instead is embed it in the description and have it like autoplay looped right in the description. Okay. 
Yeah, I'll have to have a look at how we can how we can do that. Does that mean? I guess that would mean it would be on the right hand side, a bit smaller as well. So yeah, I think it would I'll still work, to, but then it's yeah. it's separate of the photos. It'd be very. I think it would work. It'd be cool. Oh, you do have the dimensions on here. Maybe like um, an illustration of the bag. I bet you have an illustration of the bag um, with like the dimensions written on there. Uh, that might be cool. Actually, that's that, that's a good point. One thing we just um, did was a, a photo shoot with um. We, there's no actual people on this site using the bag in the gym, so there's no perspective uh, of the size. So that's one thing we will be adding um, at some time in the next few weeks is photos of people with the bag using them in the gym, so we can so people can get a good understanding of the size next to someone who's five five foot eight or six foot or whatever. That's yeah. No, absolutely. So. If you could start over, what's one thing you do differently? Yeah, that's that's a that's an easy one for me. I'd start earlier. I would um I would uh, I, I sort of tinkered around and thought about it for a little while. I would I would start earlier with almost anything. I, I don't think the actual idea necessarily matters. I think it's get started, get into the game, um and and iterate from there because the first one, first idea or first product is going to be crap no matter what. So just just get started. I love that. Was, yeah. Your first idea is going to suck. Just start. You're right. Like, if I look at the first to anything I did, it's terrible. I loaded up archive.org. I looked at our first version of our agency website. Horrible. <laughs> My first YouTube video, total garbage. My first conference talk, I was really sweaty and I didn't hold the mic right so no one could hear me. Like, <laughs> the first time you do something, it's the first time you do it. Of course it's going to suck. And that's fine. Just do it. You know the one that'll be great is the sixth version. Right around five or six, you'll be like, "Wow, I really nailed that." <laughs> yeah, yep, that's that's exactly right. I, I'd start earlier for sure. Uh, so the what was I going to say? Well, how could people learn more about you? They want to see these bags. Where can they go? Uh, they go to kingkongapparel.com, uh, and the bags are all over there. We we sell primarily through our website. We have an Amazon store as well. If people are more comfortable uh, on Amazon, just search for King Kong bag on Amazon um, and they can have a look at them there. Don't go to Amazon. Oh my gosh. Get a direct. <laughs> yeah. Go to, well, the, the product line uh, on our website is much more vast than the product line on Amazon. So that's sort of one way that we, we filter the two out. But for sure, I mean, even if you're not shopping for a bag, Check out King Kong Apparel to get inspired because their their photos are really phenomenal. Um, and the site itself is really clean and nice, but the product pages, oh my gosh, really, really quality. And yeah, there's a little bit of custom, custom development there, but very little. Most of what's carrying it is just the phenomenal content. So you can look at that, get inspired, and then create something similar for whatever product you're selling like certainly you're going to need an faq i bet you could do a cool stop motion video with your stuff like absolutely um check it out it's great man thank you for for doing this and sharing your story this has been absolutely fascinating i really enjoyed it thanks so much for having me kurt i really appreciate it i've, I've been following following you guys for a while now um and it's it's great to be on the show passing on some of my journey oh that's what it's all about Big news from our friends at Out of the Sandbox this month. Their newest theme just launched. It's called Flex. And it's for those of us who loved all the bells and whistles and turbo, but thought, I need more of this. That's where Flex is a game changer for you. It can be configured in an endless number of ways, thanks to more layout and section options than ever, more granular control of settings, and easy addition of custom CSS through the theme editor. It's perfect for development agencies like ourselves, 
as well as e-commerce entrepreneurs like you looking to create a unique online store experience for your customers. Now, here's the coolest part. Flex has a new Demo Shop Import feature that allows you to fast-track your shop setup based on any of 12 demo shops. You get all of the theme settings, layouts, content, and sections used in that demo shop of your choice applied automatically to your store. You can check Flex out right now at outofthesandbox.com. And if you like it, take 20% off the purchase price when you use code PODCAST20 at checkout. That's outofthesandbox.com and code PODCAST20. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.